we have a huge amount of older people with a bucket load of money. And again, like they have stored so much money. Like these baby boomers spending $3 on a muffin, like, try, like they're frugal. You cannot get money out of their back pocket. Uh, the builders, they still, that like they have never spent money. These people have hoarded money forever. They do not buy into the consumer dynamic that you need to keep on spending. So here is the amazing part between the builders and the boob builders and the boomers, which are sort of all pushing into this kind of either 70 or 80. Uh, there is around $6.2 trillion of wealth which has to go somewhere. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, a code cracker, we're going to dig into the great transformation of wealth, which will unfold inside of Australia. In fact, I recently worked with a demographer just to explore where this could head and just how much money is out there that is going to change hands over the next 10 to 20 years to look into what will happen to real estate. So today's show is a real treat. If it's your first time tuning in, welcome aboard to the Urban Property Investor. Remember, play the show in double speed, get your life back. And of course, all the episodes are actually lessons on real estate. So if it's your first time tuning in, feel free to dart about and listen to a few past episodes. They're not waffle, they're lessons. So check it out. Hey, I tell you what, the census has come out and it has revealed some great information around real estate, around population movements. And of course, it does link to one of the ideas around real estate that real estate moves forward and is driven off the back of certain drivers. And those drivers include demographics, the population, economics, supply and demand, infrastructure, and of course, where the cash rate is and the yield. So there's a lot to explore when it comes to the idea of Australian demographics. I recently was able to work alongside the team at McCrindle who put together a great report for me around the idea of intergenerational wealth being transferred. So I tell you what, there's a lot to this story and I want to maybe start the conversation around population. As a property investor, population is fairly critical to the future growth of real estate. And of course, there are many countries around the world where the population is fundamentally declining, like people are leaving in droves and those populated places are actually aging. And of course, when you have an aging population, one of the biggest challenges around that is a lack of workers coming through the system. Now, Australia is kind of blessed, and I've mentioned this before on podcasts, because we do have a bit of a business plan to actually increase our population. Uh, we have a plan to get to mid-century figures anywhere between 38 to 40 million people. And beyond that, potentially by mid-century, Australia may be as big as 60 million people. Imagine that. And of course, though Australia is a massive landmass, most of the landmass itself is pretty useless. It's kind of desert. There's no water. You can't drink anything. You're going to die if you live there. So, uh, of course, Australians will cluster to where they have typically always clustered, which is around our massive cities and, of course, our bigger regional market places. And uh, those cities are going to continue to thrive into the future. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But let's go back in time. 2011 uh, was a big year in real estate. 
But back then, there was around 25, uh, 21.5 million people. Today, we have uh, literally, off the back of the census, reached around 25.5 million people. So around 4 million people added to the population base over a 10-year period. Now, we can learn a lot about that. That is incredible, right? Not many countries around the world can boast figures like that. That is a pretty steady population increase. And of course, most of those people, if you like, are actually are people coming from overseas to join the economy. In fact, the five-year growth rate, if you like, for um, between census is over 8%. So every census that comes along, we've got a compounding growth rate of the population over 8%, which is just incredible. Of course, people move to certain places and there are some winners and losers when it comes to how the population has transformed. And of course, uh, probably the biggest loser is the Northern Territory. No one wants to move there. No one wants to live in Darwin or Alice Springs. In fact, from an increase of population over the last five years uh, or over uh, the last period between censuses, I don't even know if that's a word, uh, Northern Territory has risen by virtue of population of around 4,000 people. New South Wales... Uh, is an absolute rock star, almost reaching 600,000 people between census. Same with Victoria. And South East Queensland, or Queensland if you like, is doing pretty well as well, with around half a million people. But much smaller economies have done great um, of recent times, including Canberra, which has uh, actually had one of the fastest growing population rates, and Tasmania. Now, there's been periods of time where Tasmania has grown by literally uh, 500 people. It's kind of inbred. Remember when we used to like talk about Tasmania's as being inbred? I think the current census has revealed that Tasmanians are no longer inbred. They have a huge, huge spike in population growth, around 10%, around 48,000 people. And of course, that is reflected in the property values inside of Tasmania. Now, I'll openly say Tasmania is one of these marketplaces I got horribly wrong. I didn't think it was going to be a cracking place for capital growth because there's a lot of old people in Tasmania. When you've got an aging population and you do not have a younger workforce to prop up that population, your economy is going to stall. However, the population shift inside of Tasmania has obviously created a transformation. People are no longer old. People are no longer inbred. Uh, and over and above that, uh, what a population shift does is bring new money to a marketplace. And of course, this is why we like population movements inside of real estate because it's like a money pipeline where people go, real estate grows. It's pretty much uh, how it has always worked. Obviously, there's going to be a period of imbalance where there's more people than there is real estate. It can work the other way where there's more real estate than people. We want a marketplace over time where there's going to be more people than there is property. And a lot of Australian real estate uh, will work this way. And of course, when you look at the five-year growth rate in Australia, it's over 8%. Uh, the ACT hitting around uh, 14%. Tasmania, uh, around 9%. Victoria, closer to 10%. So there's some huge population shifts when measured over a five-year period, which has unfolded inside of Australia. And of course, we are now living in a time where the largest group inside of society is actually the millennial. Yes, the millennial is now the biggest group inside of Australia, which is very healthy, by the way, because if the baby boomer was still the biggest group in Australia, there is fundamentally too many old people, not enough young people to do the work Australia needs to produce an economy. And uh, the millennial today is uh, actually one of the largest work 
workforce groups inside of society. Of course, we've got the Gen Zs coming into the workforce. I'm going through this at work at the moment. These people, these Gen Zs, they're weird. Uh, They dress like homeless people. They have no idea what a business suit is. Uh, The idea of a uniform, I think, has long gone uh, from employment places. And what is so fascinating, they do not even know how to email, which blows my mind. Like, uh, how do you come out of the school system, expect to go into the workforce, and you don't know how to use email because you grew up chatting. Uh, They chat to robots. They chat amongst themselves. They've got five different chats going on. And of course, Uh, When you work in a litigious economic environment, you've got to be able to store things and chat is not necessarily the best way to do that. So uh, at my work anyway, um, the Gen Y is kind of accepted. Now we've moved on to the Gen Z, which is hectic. Like these people, uh, we're actually having a forum on how uh, Gen X talks to Gen Z. It's, It's become so dysfunctional Uh, talking to these young people that look like they are homeless. Um, So we've got to knock them into shape. And uh, I think one of the things that happens inside of society is uh, generally older people become leaders and younger people um, get to learn from the much uh, more mature generation. So back in 1981, Australia's population was 14.5 million. Today, we're 25.4 million to be uh, to round down to be specific. So you can see over the last 40 years, there's been some serious change in where uh, Australia has gone and how it has fundamentally grown. And of course, this is an interesting story because I think a lot of property investors do wonder around the future and we can use the past really to determine the future. We can see what a growing Australia actually looks like. We can look in the mirror and fundamentally see that Australia really does have a business plan to grow its population base. And of course, um, into the next decade and beyond, the population is going to continue to increase. And of course, this creates a mechanism for real estate to grow. And I talk about this a lot through fire economics, the idea that finance, insurance and real estate, the fire economy, which dominate typically our CBDs as business centres. These big businesses, if you like, love the idea that Australia's population can grow because they can sell more products and services to that population base. So interesting, uh, if we were to look over the last 40 years, how many people were born in Australia as opposed to came and lived in Australia from being born overseas, it's chalk and cheese. Australia produced around uh, 3 million people. Overseas migration, around 7 million people. So of the last 10 million people created in the country, two-thirds come from migration. And uh, obviously, that in itself is a bit of a story, right? So what do the new migrants want? Where do they want to live? How do they get started in the economy? And of course, property investment can work off migration. And uh, you can see this in some of the patterns of what type of assets certain migrants tend to prefer. And we might talk about that as well. But I tell you what, back in 1981, people were earning less than $10,000. So, We often talk about just how expensive property is in the marketplace today. Uh, Back then, no doubt, people felt that property was a little bit expensive as well because earning capacity was very, very low, around $10,000. Today, uh, that wage increase has reached a wage rate of $90,000. So uh, we have over the last 40 years, basically improved or 9X'd our wages, which is which is great. And 
I know the conversation, particularly over the last decade, has been a lost era of wages or uh, fundamentally a dormant period of wages. But what is great news inside of Australia is we have not seen wage growth go backwards, which is really a telltale sign of just how good the employment market typically has been over this period of time um, of over 40 years where there's been very few recessions during that period. Interesting, uh, back then when people were earning $10,000 a week uh, or $10,000 a week, $10,000 a year, uh, the average rent was around 60 bucks. Think of that, right? Jeez, what can you rent for $60 today? The average rent today across Australia closer to $375. And back then, if you like, uh, and we're going back, remember, to 1981, uh, Sydney's house price was $78,000. So there you go. It was around, a, around an eight-time multiple. We're a bit higher than that today. Um, we're at uh, around a 14-time multiple, so 14 times income as opposed to eight times income. Melbourne uh, was actually cheaper than Brisbane, so that's interesting. Um, back in 1981, 44000 and Brisbane, 45000 Today, Sydney's house price, 1.4. Melbourne's house price uh, is basically near a million and Brisbane near $900,000. So huge amounts of gains. And of course, this throws out the question, can a Brisbane property at $900,000 go on to become worth more? Well, we can actually look into the Sydney data there and see that there is actually potential for further movement given that wages are not too far apart in places like Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. So interesting data, if you like. And of course, um, if we go back even further, 100 years, Australia's population in 1921 was 5.4 million people. So you can see that Australia is a land of migration. And of course, this in itself is one of the best pieces to the puzzle when it comes to how real estate works in Australia. We are very blessed because, again, property investment in a declining population environment is not fun. When people leave en masse a place, real estate values can quickly go to very, very low levels. And you do see that inside Europe. I think we've all been fascinated with the properties you can buy for a dollar inside of many European countries. Well, the fact remains is the population isn't there. So to rebirth uh, the population, there are some, you know, crazy incentives to come and certainly live in different places. And I think we are going into a period of time around the world where population wars will be a thing. In other words, uh, who's got the best offer for the new migrant is going to become a real, real conversation piece. Because again, Australia has typically done this really, really well compared to many other countries. It runs a skilled migration program where it wants smart people to come to the country and help build the country into a bigger and better place. And so uh, over time, that has proven itself to be a real winner. Um, and I think the, probably the next step of population movements around the world are countries actually going to offer real big incentives to come and live in their country. I mean, what is stopping, um, you know, European countries, Asian countries, uh, American countries, you know, offering $100,000 to come and live in those societies. And I think this is where we're starting to get to. I've started to see some European countries offering some pretty incredible uh, benefits to live in those places because the world has an aging population problem. And of course, if you want to understand what that is, just think of the great default in economics in Greece. Greece or the Greek uh, government fundamentally would prop up the pension system with, uh, with money, ran out of young people to fundamentally pay for the bill of old people. And of course, the whole country collapsed and needed a massive, massive European bailout.
So aging population is a real thing. And the fact that we are now going through a period of time where generationally speaking, the millennials are the largest workforce inside of society, it's a pretty good signal that we can pay for the future pension of much older Australians, where of course many of those older Australians are going to need assistance or propping up to get through economically. And of course, one of the big things inside of uh, real estate and as to why we even become real estate investors is the problem that Australians are living quite long Uh, The quality of life tends to drop for many Australians inside of their older years. And of course, the quality of income drops for many Australians in their older years because they do not have an asset base to work off, even though many are actually quite wealthy, asset rich, cash poor. As a property investor, one of the best things we can learn from what is going on generationally is we want to end up in a place where we're both asset rich and cash rich. One of the best ways to do that, of course, is to own multiple pieces of real estate, real estate that produces income, not just real estate, which is shelter over your head. Now, in Australia today, there are six generations. Gen Alpha, basically people being born right now. Gen Z, these are the weirdos that are in the workforce now. Um, And again, like, I don't know, like, of course, maybe I was, uh, you know, indoctrinated into working during a period where, you know, things were uniform, right? So you you kind of wore a bit of a uniform. Even me now, I don't wear the uniform. I don't wear the suit. Uh, Gen Z, man, like these dudes look look out there. Um, kind of like if you can imagine you decided to recruit uh, the – Australian skateboard team. This is what the the dudes look like. So, uh, you know, they're they're cool looking, but um, yeah, we got to work with them maybe just to sharpen sharpen the pencil, so to speak, because uh, maybe it's gone too far. It's gone gone too radical. So we got six generational groups, Gen Alpha, Gen Z, Gen Y, which is also the millennial, Gen X, which I am a proud Gen Xer, sort of trapped between this, you know, more modern human and, of course, trapped between the boomer, which is probably the most annoying human on earth. Um, These people are frugal. They uh, go to coffee shops. They loiter. They spend $3 on a muffin um, and think that's expensive. They, uh, you know... They, they love using, um, you know, like the token book that you can buy once a year and go to restaurants and get the 25% off the restaurant. Um, but they're loaded. It's, it, this is the, the quagmire in my brain. These people are loaded. Um, They've the, uh, probably seen house prices go up 10 times, gone through 10 property cycles. Um loaded frugal people and of course then we got the builders which is the sixth and final generation or the oldest generation in australia they kind of built the economic model that works today they created uh how the system flows they created all the things we can think of leverage products today they created uh the banking system they evolved it um you know insurance system they evolved it they uh you know created certain stocks they created the whole system and uh builders if you like were born before typically world war ii so they um themselves are actually an interesting generation they themselves you know uh my parents are builders you know they they have you know a thought around you know you know, waste not, want not. Uh, so, you know, have a look in my parents' fridge. I, I'll, I should send you guys a photo. I mean, I think there is chickens in there that have been off for, you know, nine weeks, but they would still eat it because that's how they were, they were brought up. They were brought up in World War II. They had to, 
you know, eat broth and stuff. And so, you know, I love taking them out to modern restaurants because they can't believe what is what it's all about. Like they 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 live a completely different life. Now, today's theme is there is going to be a generational shift of wealth. And when we look at Gen Alpha, Gen Z, Gen Y, most of them are broke. When we look at uh, Gen X, it's you know a lot. Obviously, Gen X is at that peak level of earning. But then we look at boomers and builders, and there is a lot of money at that end of the marketplace. Most wealth is with the boomers and builders, and the reality is uh, most builders and boomers are reaching much older stages of their life. For example, a builder would be older than 76 today. A baby boomer, particularly the older ones, pushing into uh, their mid seventies, and so um, what is so critical to this puzzle is we are now starting to see, obviously, the population decline of builders and uh, boomers. Now, remember, most of the money is trapped inside of builders and boomers. When we look at the economic diversity in Australia there is fundamentally a huge generational wealth transfer which will unfold. Now, here's what will happen. Real estate is transferred by structural change. So when real estate booms, it's a structural change in the marketplace. So I can go back so many decades and explain structural changes, if you like. Let's start with the 1970s. In the 1970s, there was typically one income earner in a household. All of a sudden, uh, society reformed and two incomes were created. Both uh, mum and dad, if you like, um, went to work. And because two incomes were coming into a household, all of a sudden, that household had more money uh, piping into its coffers. And of course, what this led to was a structural change in real estate where real estate doubled in value. You can flow on to the 1990s. In the 1990s, uh, real estate went through a structural change. We had the deregulation of banks. All of a sudden, people could borrow 100%, 95%, 90%. That didn't exist before. What that allowed was leverage, a lot of leverage into the market. And of course, that restructuring, if you like, of money changed the velocity of real estate forever. It never was the same after that. And of course, in the early 2000s, we had the great mining boom, if you like, a massive structural change inside of real estate. All of a sudden, wages, if you like, went up exponentially. They virtually doubled in value. And of course, if we look at where wages are today, the average around 90,000 in 1980, around 10,000. Uh, in the decade or the early 2000s, a lot of those gains were created. So you probably saw an average wage of $40,000 go up to $70,000. And of course, this in itself created a huge structural shift in the value of real estate. Real estate skyrocketed, particularly in places like Perth, um, as much as other marketplaces because of the jobs market over there. Now, again, we looked at, into more structural shifts just after the GFC, the Australian economy needed money pouring into it. So it welcomed foreign investors into the economy. This is kind of like really one of the first periods where residential property was affected by overseas buyers actually outbidding local buyers. They took their money, which seemingly was worth more. Real estate in Australia looked cheap. And of course, you had this flood of foreign investment into Australia. What this did to Australia is it distorted the value of real estate once again. All of a sudden, local real estate was priced more like global real estate. And this particularly happened in cities like Sydney and Melbourne, which got the wealth effect off overseas uh, money coming into Australia because most overseas people 
understand Sydney, understand Melbourne. They know their uh, brand, if you like, when it comes to um, pouring money into Australia to safe haven it. And of course, this huge amount of money pouring into the those economies structurally changed the value of those economies and of course the house prices and property values in, in those cities, if you like. And of course, we've just been through the most recent structural change in wealth. The latest wealth effect, if you like, has been driven off the back of uh, COVID, the pandemic, and of course, stimulation into the economy, which really did unfold off the back of government basically influencing the marketplace in the direction of the wealth effect. A massive structural shift. We had a trillion dollars being spent uh, by um, government to stimulate the economy, stimulate jobs, stimulate activity. And of course, a lot of that also along with the reduction of what the cost to borrow money was, absolutely created the wealth effect and real estate went on to do very, very well, structurally changing real estate forever. So the big question is, how does real estate structurally change into the future? And I have talked about this before, but this is a show dedicated to the concept. The next great structural shift will occur actually over the next 20 years. We have a huge amount of older people with a bucket load of money. And again, like they have stored so much money. Like these baby boomers spending $3 on a muffin, like like they're frugal. You cannot get money out of their back pocket. Uh, The builders, they still, like they have never spent money. These people have hoarded money forever. They do not buy into the consumer dynamic that you need to keep on spending. So here is the amazing part between the builders and the boo- builders and the boomers, which are sort of all pushing into this kind of either 70 or 80. Uh, there is around $6.2 trillion of wealth, which has to go somewhere. Now, logically speaking, that wealth will be transferred to their children or their grandchildren. And of course, when you think about the most recent transformation of real estate values off the back of a trillion dollars of money being pumped into the economy, the question unfolds, what then happens when $6.2 trillion worth of money changes hands. And of course, uh, if you were to give uh, a millennial or a Z $6.2 trillion worth of money, no doubt you will have on your hands a bit of a spending spree because the consumer is very, very different at the bottom of the age funnel compared to the top of the age funnel. And of course, if trillions of dollars flowed into anyone's pocket, probably the most logical place for that to go is to upgrade and buy a better house, actually buy a better lifestyle. So there is a huge amount of household wealth out in society. And again, uh, over, over, uh, over time, this has tended to favour much older Australians who fundamentally are very much asset rich. When we look at younger Australians, their wealth profile is a little bit different. So when we think about um, how wealthy we should be um, when it comes to our overall wealth, our overall average annual income, plus our uh, national wealth, if you like, or our net wealth. Um, If we were to start with generation Y, because the Zs, as I say, they shouldn't have anything. Like, honestly, they're a skateboard team right now. Um, You know, the average Gen Y, if you like, is worth $345,000 net, right? So that's, that's what you should be worth if you're a Gen Y today. If you do not feel like your net worth is $345,000, you got to do something about it. Generation X, um, again, you can see a clear distinction as people get older, they get wealthier. Uh, Net worth, $663,000. Baby boomer, 
older again, 1.23 million. That's the younger baby boomer. Older baby boomer, 1.46 million. Then the builder, a little bit less than their babies, which is interesting. They went through a much harder period, wars, a decline, unemployment, 1.3 million. So we can see, like, generationally speaking, between Generation Y and Generation Builder, there's around 40-year sort of gap, if you like. If you think of that in property cycle terms, that is three, four property cycles. Um, you can see that the longer you own real estate, the more wealthy you're going to become from real estate. But prior to the builder, and this is the interesting part, you know, uh, people really didn't have money. Um, you know, real estate investment wasn't a thing. Property values increasing wasn't a major thing that society was partaking in. Um, you know, you think about what was going on in 1915, you know, like, you know, people were still riding horses and stuff. Um, local community was, you know, like you, you, you didn't necessarily travel. Like you think about, you know, all the stories we hear about World War One. like people wanted an adventure, so they went to war. Um, that wouldn't happen today, right? And so really when we track uh, the wealth transformation, it actually begins with the builders and will flow into the boomers and actually transfer $6 trillion worth of transformation. Now you think about the value of the real estate marketplace, it's $10 trillion. It's $10 trillion. Uh, we're talking basically 60% of the value of Australian real estate if you wanted to um, pair it against something being transformed over time. So it is an interesting phenomenon. I think the great transformation will commence in the 2030s. What does that actually mean? It means if you own a you know, fairly regular, I don't know, $700,000 property today, uh, how does that become 1.1 million down the track? Uh, how does it become 1.2, 1.3? Where does the money come from? Well, it's very similar to the story of population shift. When more money comes into a funnel, it changes the value or the landscape of a product. When more people come in to an area, it changes the landscape of a property or a product. And so we are not only got more people coming, but we've got more money that will change hands. And structurally, it should actually create a structural shift in how real estate unfolds into the future from a value orientation. So from a long-term point of view, and this is a long-term metric, as a real estate investor, we tend to get caught up with what's happening tomorrow, today, uh, what's in the news Really, down the track, the news will unfold that the great transformation of money is going to uh, unfold inside of Australian economics, which is just amazing, right? Just amazing. Now, the census also revealed many other things. Like, for example, today, still 67% uh, of Australians are, or 17 million people are living in our capital cities. Uh, it's something like two in five or three in five people today live in uh, Sydney or Melbourne. Um, so we've got some major cities. And of course, many of these cities are redefining what livability actually means. I mean, uh, I tell you what, I'm from Sydney and um, what I am noticing is just how fun cities are becoming again. And like George Street, Sydney is just like, I've never seen it this good. And obviously I've lived in Sydney for all my entire life. And uh, today, you know, walking down George Street, it's just a completely different environment to what it was pre-pandemic, which was almost like a sterile business uh, center for the fire economy. Today, uh, I think you are seeing this kind of transformation of our cities, again, for the residents inside them, which is really, really incredible. But um, certainly, if you want to understand 
the future of some of our cities, uh, certainly Sydney and Melbourne, will continue to be the centre of population growth with both cities by around 2055 reaching the milestone of over 8 million people. Um, and it makes sense because, you know, if you've got um, a growing, you know, future population base, you've got to put them around the efficiency of infrastructure. And of course, our biggest cities like Brisbane and the Gold Coast and uh, and certainly Perth and Adelaide and, and, and so forth will also continue to evolve and just become much bigger places as well. So the health of just keeping it simple as a property investor, maybe buying close to these cities or inside these cities is going to make a lot of sense because they're geared for population growth. And when we study the fastest growing local government areas over the last census, there's some incredible uh, places which are really repopulating for a future economy of tomorrow. I kind of call these kind of local government areas tomorrow markets. Like today, when you go there, you're like, wow, there's a few like Gopniks, ICs. It's a little bit rough. But overall, what is fundamentally unfolding is these type of local government areas are being populated the fastest. And almost like because of that population transformation, actually gentrifying quite quickly. And we're actually seeing a correlation in property values improving in these marketplaces because they are an attraction magnet to people. Places like Camden, Sydney, Wyndham, Victoria, Melton, Victoria, Perth itself, uh, Victorian Surf Coast, uh, Victoria, uh, the local government area, or the city of Hume, the city of Casey, the Hillshire, Sydney. I mean, these are some of the fastest growing places in Australia today. And of course, uh, what that fundamentally means is into the future, um, they're going to have more money pouring into their society, which really does come from the inbound uh, migration movement into those areas. Now, again, fast growing population centers usually have a correlation of obviously availability of stock to put into them. So as a property investor, you've just got to weigh up uh, the pros and cons and the trade-offs, what's going into those marketplaces. And of course, as I always say, you know, make a decision at a niche level, a street level inside of real estate as well. But, you know, Australia today is an interesting market landscape. You know, we have around 10.8 million dwellings in Australia. You know, for the future uh, population coming to Australia, we've got to add around 50% more dwellings into society. So we're being nudged, if you like, when it comes to what the future of living inside Australia might be. Now, if we break down the over 10 million dwellings in Australia, 72% of them are houses. Uh, the most, I guess, uh, undersupplied or, or limited stock in the market is actually townhouses is only make up 12.6% of product in the marketplace. Uh, and of course, apartments, if you like, make up now 14.2% of product mix in the marketplace. So 70% uh, freestanding houses, 12% um, townhouses or terrace homes, and 14% apartments. And of course, makes a lot of sense because actually one of the hardest product to deliver is in the middle ring of our cities because the middle ring of our cities is typically tightly held by housing and of course uh, to add density to our cities and more people to our cities some of that housing gives way to smaller lot housing or town housing but it generally happens in the middle ring um, rather than the outer ring of our cities and so I wonder if this product type will become very, very popular as generally houses today or a larger family home, if you like, it's well over a million dollars in many marketplaces. So one to watch, um, certainly the townhome or terrace home marketplace. So uh, today, over 2.5 million people are living in apartments 
that are actually apartment complexes, nine stories or more. So Australian and Australia is going to go through density to meet the population movement into the future. And of course, if we were to analyse where high density dwellings actually are, Sydney, around 30% of all uh, dwellings inside the marketplace or high density dwellings sit inside the Sydney marketplace. So Sydney is fast becoming a massive global city for residents inside of Sydney. It's not actually uncommon today to live in an apartment, particularly with the high cost of Houses, as we know, home price values are around $1.4 million. It's out of reach for a lot of people. So one structural shift which potentially will come back into vogue is actually apartment living. Now, we talk about this a lot, that there should be actually a reversion on the mean, on the median value of apartments when compared to houses. Probably the pandemic did favour actually house price growth. One of the telltale signs of that was certainly the stimulus into home building provided by the federal government. And of course, this absorbed a lot of the housing stock in the marketplace. What that has done has created a distorted value between house prices and apartment prices. The gap is very, very wide. And of course, once that gap closes, what we will see is potentially growth inside of the apartment market catching up to the housing market. So it's not uncommon for um, over, you know, uh, two and a half million people today to live inside of an apartment in a building higher than nine stories. So think about that, right? Like that is a large proportion of Australians today who are actually living um, a different type of lifestyle. And of course, uh, I don't want to go into what is right, what is wrong. I'm just delivering you some of the information. This information, by the way, is courtesy of the McCrindle Group, which are great demographers and do an awesome podcast as well. So go check out the guys at McCrindle if you want to um, get to know their work. They do a really, really, really good job on uh, breaking down demographics inside of Australia. Of course, um, really, uh, the third of third of third rule is still fundamentally out there. A third of Australians own their own home. Around a third are buying their home and around a third are, are actually tenants in the marketplace, which is uh, interesting inside of Australia. And of course, when we analyse uh, wealth inside of Australia, we can also look into who is making the most money. And it's a clear winner. The people who live inside of Canberra, ACT, they're making uh, a bucket load of money. Remember the Australian uh, average wage, if you like, is around $90,000. People inside of Canberra, the average wage is $123,000. And so again, if you're a property investor, maybe thinking, well, you know, interest rates, what's going on? Where is the weak chain inside of Australia? It's certainly not in Canberra because they're earning a bucket load of money. And so, um, you know, compare that to say the average household income inside of Tasmania, it's $70,000, $123,000 versus $70,000. And so uh, interesting dynamic inside of, um, inside of uh, that particular growth rate. But actually, all states have grown. If you go back to 2016, the average wage in a New South Wales was 77. Today, it's 95. Victoria, 73. Today, it's 91. Queensland 72, today it's 87. South Australia 62, today it's 75. Western Australia 82, today it's 94. Tasmania $57,000 last census uh, in 2016, today it's 70,000. Northern Territory last census 99, today it's 107. Obviously a lot of energy jobs up in the Northern Territory. But the clear winner, obviously, the uh, Canberra people, 107 last census. They they weren't crying poor then. 
and uh, today one twenty three, which is um, which is huge. Obviously, um, there is a huge amount of people born overseas, and twenty seven point seven percent of Australians are actually born overseas, which continues to climb. So Australia is continually relying on more population intake into the country and of course there are some hot spots around the world of where people come from to come to Australia and uh, namely probably the biggest hot spots if you like um, United Kingdom 4% of all migration comes out of the United Kingdom India 3% of all migration comes out of the subcontinent and of course China 2% of all migration comes out of China and then we have our Kiwi uh, brothers and cousins 2% of all migration comes from New Zealand, who are technically already permanent residents inside of Australia anyway. So uh, huge amounts of people, um, if you think about the largest growing communities, actually the largest growing is coming from uh, from India, right? Over 200,000 new um, people who were born from India coming to Australia. And if you look at the product type, typically, I know this is a stereotype, but Typically, a lot of Indians love new house and land communities. And you think about, well, there's 200,000 new Indians uh, that are obviously migrating to Australia and welcome to do so, are actually going to uh, many of these new tomorrow markets, if you like, or new communities, which are uh, part of those large growing local government areas, which is uh, which is interesting, right? So I tell you what, there's so much to listen to around the census. I wanted to give you my thoughts about it. I wanted to give you my thoughts about the great transformation of wealth, which is going to unfold. There's trillions of dollars out there, folks. So real estate will get distorted once again, in value into the future, the long-term prospects of Australian real estate are really healthy because we know there's a structural shift when it comes to money. And when we look at the great booms inside of Australian real estate, they've all been led off the back of structural reform. Structural reform is coming by way of the great wealth transformation. So uh, I tell you what, make sure you hold on to that real estate you may own today because down the track it will uh, no doubt be worth more. Thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it if you give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.